Hello and good morning. Welcome to The Main Point. It is June 1st, 2022. We're in the middle of the year and in the middle of the week. Uh, I am Jonathan Hendrickson here at Rosa Sharon Baptist Church, and uh, I am joined with uh, all of my fellow pastors here. I have Jeremiah Custer, our student pastor, Blake Flincham, our children's pastor, and Jeff McCarthy, our senior pastor. And uh, here on Main Point, we uh, like to get together and discuss the, the Sunday sermon. Uh, just so happened I, I was the one who preached this one. Um, and uh, we're just going to jump right in, guys. Uh, this one was called Forgetting Our First Love. Um, and uh, it really came about as I was thinking about um, Memorial Day weekend and what I could preach for Memorial Day weekend. And um, this idea of forgetting our, our first love, I actually I remember where I was when I when I uh, when the idea came. I was I was driving to that funeral, Jeff. Mm-hmm. I was in my car, and uh, it was a long drive, so I had some time to think. And um, as I began to think about uh, about um, you know what it, what it's like, you know how how is it that we that we forget, and and more importantly. How do we remember? How how is it that we do remember? Because part of this was uh, I actually had, I think I told you guys this already, but um, when I first when I first thought about it, I was thinking that this verse in Revelation says you've forgotten your first love. It actually says you've abandoned your first love, which is the, the in the Greek the word is translated abandoned. There, I think it means to literally walk away from or leave, like you've you've left it. Not just that you've um, you know, you've uh, it, it, the idea is that you've actually walked from it. So, mm-hmm. like you, you have removed yourself from it. And so, I thought, you know, well, you don't really walk, you don't walk away from something and remember it. And and the very first thing he says is, you remember then how far you've fallen. And so, I thought, okay, well, I think this is okay to talk about in terms of forgetting, um, because it's kind of hard to abandon something that you've not forgotten. And in that case, how do we? How does that happen? How do, how do we forget something that we loved? Um, and how do we go back and remember that thing? How do we? How do we keep it in our memory? And so that's sort of what drove me in in this direction. And um, I, uh, the two verses that I focused on, I'll read them here. It's Revelation two, four, and five, where uh, Jesus first. He, he, these are it's. This is the first letter written to the seven churches. There's there's seven different letters uh, in, in the first part of Revelation. And each one is sort of unique and written to a different church and has different things. And this one, this is the first one, uh, he's writing to the, the church at Ephesus. And he's telling them, he sort of applauds all, their, all, all the good things that they're doing first. And then suddenly in verse 4 he says, But I have this against you. You have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember then how far you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. Otherwise, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. So in these two verses, which I think are the two key verses in this letter, um, we see the sort of diagnosis, which is abandonment, we see three correctives there, remember, repent, do, and then you see a consequence, this otherwise I'll come to you and remove your lampstand, this idea of removal. And so that was sort of the outline for the message. Um, I, I did want to start with um, just who are the uh, Ephesian people? Who is this church at Ephesus? And Because um, 
How, how did they go from doing all these great things and then he says, you've abandoned the love you had at first? And how does that even happen, right? And so I wanted, I, I wanted to dig into who, uh, who the Ephesians are and so the, the places that I could think of um, that, that dealt with the Ephesians was Acts 18 through 20, which is sort of the foundation of the Ephesian church and Paul's, but the, the detailed account of Paul's planting of that church and his ministry there. And he had a letter to the Ephesians um, you have First and Second Timothy, which Timothy is the pastor at Ephesus when Paul writes to him, and then you have this uh, letter in Revelation. And I really couldn't think of anything else in uh, any other place where I could go. So I read all of that and sort of studied all of that, and came up with a few characteristics that I think stand out about the church at Ephesus. And we can kind of go through these. But the first one is this: that I said that the Ephesians were a hardworking, zealous people. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were a hardworking, zealous people. Um, and you can see that even in uh, Revelation 2, 2 through 3. Says I, you know, it says, I know your works, your labor, your endurance, that you cannot tolerate evil people. You have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and you found them to be liars. I know that you have persevered and endured hardships for the sake of my name, and you have not grown weary. I mean, that to me, Jeremiah, sounds like a people who have, who were pretty busy, you know? Yeah, they work hard. Um, I think it's it's uh, really telling that they they tested apostles and like it's almost mm-hmm. like they were they were putting certain individuals on trial mm-hmm. to see like is this person an apostle or not. And so it's clear that they started off right, but um, it's also and, and I had this question because verse two and three sound like they contradict with verse 4 because because mm. honestly when you read verse 2 and 3 and I think I think the cross references in the book of Acts and Ephesians and Timothy I think that's where you're going to get the information for maybe where they have fallen right also in the diagnosis on the do part we'll talk about that later but but um yeah I just had this question like man they sound great like <laughs> yeah. verse 2 and 3 uh, they sound like like maybe they're they're better off than us sometimes. Mm. I mean, like they're doing they they seem to be doing the right things. They're commended. Uh, it's good to be commended uh, at this point. But then verse four shows up and it's like, but I got this one thing against you. Uh, you're actually not doing it with what seems with the right motivation. Yeah, and that's that's the way I read that, right? I, I think it, it I think it's more about the the motivation and you know, Jeff, we see that. We see that in today's church. I mean, let's be honest. We, we see people who get really busy doing church work. And I say people, we do it too. Even pastors, we do it. Yeah. We get really busy doing administration and church work and those kinds of things. They're all good things. Don't, don't get me wrong. They're not bad things. They're good things. But I, I wonder how often we go back and remember why it is that we're doing them. Right. And, and it's so easy to do that. Uh you made a quote says we get caught up in doing in the doing and we forget what is done in other words Mm. jesus did everything for us and that's part of our motivation for doing it because Mm -hmm. you know he did it for us we want to go help do do it for others so they can hear the gospel but at the same time too uh everything is is motivated with him through love and you point that you pointed that out in several different um scriptures later on so what happens then i get caught up in all doing all this work and then I forget about, you know, my relationship with the Lord. 
Yeah. And so then I start judging people like, hey, I'm busy. I'm doing this. You aren't doing anything. So I kind of like the Martha syndrome. You know, I'm doing all this work, but then I forget about, hey, I need to do what the good thing is. I need to spend time with Christ. I need to yeah. make sure my, my heart's right and, and my relationship with Him's there. Um, because then I'm only reaching people for, hey, come join my club. We do all these good things as opposed to, hey, come join my Savior because of what He's did for us. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so then it becomes another, you're just doing all this work. And then the other thing then, um, you know, they had right beliefs too. And sometimes we get we can be so dogmatic or so so doctrinally pure that that motivates us and then we come across as judgmental or harsh and legalistic yeah. and we're not loving anymore. Well, so. and, and, I, and I think, I think Blake, that there may be a, a tendency towards legalism with this church. And I, I, I say that because, and I pointed this out, Paul later in his letter to the, to the church at Ephesus says, for you're saved by grace through faith and this is not from yourselves. It is God's gift, not from works so that no one can boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. Yeah, and so like if you're reading that passage, you know, I'd encourage you like what Jonathan's saying, like do some what we call mirror reading. Like if Paul's writing about it, it's very likely that that church was probably struggling with that. Yeah. You know, it's just like, well, it's pretty evident, you know, that, you know, that idea kind of gone in. But no, I mean, you, uh, you look through this, I mean, on the outside, they look great. I mean, even to the point like Jeremiah said about uh, uh, testing apostles. I mean, I feel like for the early church, I mean, if you were doing that, like on the outside looking in, like you were a legit church. Um, but Jesus also himself spoke about looking good on the outside, but not looking very good on the inside because it's mm-hmm. the heart that uh, God looks at. You know, going back to the uh, Pharisees, they look good on the outside, but he called them whitewashed tombs yeah. on the inside. And, um, here he's a you know just forgetting the first love and like going back to the uh, thing with pastors and even for pastors who are in school too like like me doing school and church it's so hard to <laughs> it's so hard to remember that first love and I was actually uh, at a wet wedding for one of my buddies the other day and I really appreciated a prayer that we uh pr- that this guy prayed for me he said to help him. Uh, not love the ministry of Jesus, but to love the Jesus of the ministry. Mm-hmm. And that really stood out to me. I'm like, I want that to be my prayer as well. Like, obviously, you love the ministry, but I don't want to love that more than I do Jesus. Sure. And so finding that fine line between that's tough. Yeah. So it is easy to, you know, in Scripture judge them, but it's, you know, when you use it to reflect, it's like, you know, we can kind of struggle with that too. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Um, I, I, you know, and and again, I, I'll point out that Paul's not saying that good works aren't 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 necessary. He's actually saying, no, you're creating Christ Jesus for good works. But just know, that's not what saves you. That's not what what saves you is God's gift, God's grace. And um, you know, yeah, these people are. <laughs> I, I maybe I had I've read it before. It just never stood out to me until I read it this time. But that whole thing about them burning their magic books and stuff, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. like <laughs> thousands of money. This is that's the kind of people we're talking about, Jeremiah. These guys are having book burnings uh, after they get after they get saved, you know. So, but they were, the fact, they were independent Baptists. Yeah, <laughs> the fact that they had these books to begin with, though, 
um, that, that, that these people were reading these, these occult books, magic books about magic and stuff. And not just, not just one or two, thousands of, thousands, with thousands of, you know, pieces of silver worth, you know, I can't remember, uh, I've got the number here, that, yeah, 50,000 pieces of silver worth, tells me that this was also a people who were all about knowledge acquisition. Um, they were about getting more knowledge. Um, that's why, uh, and I point this out, in, in their foundation, Paul, Paul sets up a lecture hall and, uh, it's not, you know, he sets it up for the disciples, for the disciples of Jesus Christ. And some of them are like, ah, we don't want to hear what you have to say. Because um, you got to remember, Ephesus is this big metro city at the time. It's a huge trade city, one of the biggest ones because of where it, because it was where it was located. And so you have this, this sort of metropolitan kind of city uh, that's full of trade and commerce, so has wealth. Has and has a lot of intelligent people there. They're living there, and um, has a, a lot of variety of beliefs too. Um, and so, uh, I want to talk a little bit about the knowledge, though, because I think that maybe that's part of what causes them to abandon their first love, um, or at least they're. It seems as though they might be guilty of trying to replace um, like elevating truth over and above love elevating knowledge over and above love um, and not love like emotional love but love the love of Christ and I say that because of that prayer that Paul prays for the church in Ephesus mm -hmm. on in chapter 3 and I'll just read this again because I think it's pretty powerful he says, I pray that he may, he may grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power in your inner being through his spirit. Not through knowledge, but through his spirit. right? And that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you, being rooted and firmly established in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and width, height and depth of God's love. And to know Christ's love, that surpasses knowledge mm -hmm. so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. There are other places where Paul prays for people to have knowledge. You know, I, I think Philippians, he prays for them to have knowledge and wisdom and discernment. Mm -hmm. He's not praying that for the church at Ephesus, Jeremiah. I mean, it doesn't seem that he is anyway. It seems to me that here he's praying for them to know love. And... What I again taking that sort of mirror thing, right? Whatever I'm praying for you to have is probably something that you're lacking. Mm -hmm. Am I at least you know if I'm if I'm if I'm a, if I'm someone who's concerned about where you're at, I'm praying for some. I'm praying for you to have something that you don't have. And so, uh, not that they weren't loving people, but that I think they might have just had their priorities mixed up. Yeah, and I think this is a. It's not just the problem in the church of Ephesus, but like I think Corinthian, the, the church at Corinth had the same problem um, because that's where we get the famous passage on love, 1 Corinthians 13. Um, and I think that's a good backdrop for this text, mm -hmm. for, for understanding the problem um, because the beginning part of that talks about, look, you could, you could die at the stake, but if you don't have love, it was pointless. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, whoa, 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 that's 
That's like the highest thing you could do for Jesus is to die at the stake. And Paul's like, no, 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 it's not the highest thing you could do for Jesus. It's loving others. That's the highest thing you can do for Jesus because it's all about love. And that's also where he talks about, look, you could, you could give the best speech ever. You can be the best order ever, but if your speech doesn't come with love, it was just you're up there making annoying noise. Yeah. Uh, like a clanging... Uh, I think of that monkey. You know what I'm talking about? The monkey is like, teen, 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 teen. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, a little wind up dog. It sounds so awful. And that's what Paul says. Look, if you're you're doing these good works, especially here that he lists in, in Revelation 2, if you're doing them apart from love, both love of God and love of others, then you're doing it wrong. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. But I can't think, I think that's the best text you could have quoted in Ephesians 3. I was trying to think of another one where he he tells them, look, where he talks about knowledge and and Mm -hmm. puffing up. But there's the whole books thing. Right. And then that. Yeah. And it is, and and they like to test, they like to discern. Yeah. I mean, you've got to have a a pretty good knowledge to to be able to attest apostles. And I I didn't mention this, but keep in mind that this is the same atmosphere in which you have Apollos rises up. Apollos is well, well-spoken, eloquent, has his theology wrong, so they take him to the side and teach him the right way of, you know. So the, the, you, you get this idea that there's an there's a atmosphere of teaching, an atmosphere of accepting teaching, and an atmosphere of well-spoken people that it just seems that that's what they're doing, you know. And, and even, um, uh, even with him, uh, you know, you, you, with 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 with, uh, with Apollos there, um, uh, Priscilla and Aquila, like I said, they take him under their wing and uh, and try to get his theology corrected, right, and make sure he's teaching the right things. Because again, and this goes into the last thing I said about the Ephesians, um, there is seem, there does seem to be this influx of beliefs, a variety of beliefs that are coming in there. You have. I didn't mention this either, but you have the the silversmith. Mm-hmm. That whole issue that happens when um, with with the silversmith who's making the the uh, Artemis statues mm-hmm. and stuff, and then and uh, they they rally to that twenty five thousand seat amphitheater and try to you know they're they're having riots in in Ephesus over over this this you know which belief is you know. It's business oriented, right? Mm-hmm. But it's business driven there. But it's all about this idea of different beliefs, and we see that again pop up. Paul warns. I, I mentioned that Paul warns about it in his last words to the to the church at Ephesus. Hey, be on your guard. There's going to be people come in here after I leave. They're going to try to dupe you. They're going to try to deceive you. When he writes to Timothy, he writes to Timothy to say, Hey. There's people teaching false doctrine. There's people chasing empty myths and genealogies and stuff. And uh, and and the goal of our instruction is love. He you know he, he tells that to Timothy too. Um, and and um, and then in Second Timothy, I think we begin to see because um, he's he's writing to Timothy, and I think he's telling Timothy, look, this is what you're gonna have as we get uh, mm-hmm. in these last days. People are going to be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, proud, demeaning, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, without love for what is good, traitors, reckless, conceited, 
lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to the form of godliness, but denying its power. Mm. And that especially, guys, that last phrase, holding to the form of godliness, but denying its power. Mm. Well, where does it get its power? It gets its power from the love, grace, and mercy that we receive in Jesus Christ, right? And so when you remove when you remove that love of God, that love of Jesus, when you remove that and you continue to do all these other things, you're hardworking, you're zealous, you're filling your head full of knowledge and, 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 and things of that nature, what can begin to happen is uh, you begin to serve self more than you're serving God. Yeah, I like that one. Uh, when you were talking about that First Timothy passage, mm-hmm. Um, you said the goal of instruction is love. Yeah. And so often, like Sunday school or Bible study or special uh, programs and all we do at the church, a lot of times we make the goal of the instruction. You know, we got through the book. Yep. Uh, you, you checked off all the, you got your all your answers filled in. And so, so really, you can gain all this knowledge but still miss the main point, which is the love part. Yeah. And, um, you know, Artemis, I guess, was the goddess of love, right? Which was the central love. I, no, actually, I, um, I don't think Artemis is, Jeff. I think that's Aphrodite. That yeah, Aphrodite. Is. But there's a Greek word and then the Roman. Yeah, there's, yeah, I don't remember. Artemis, I want to think. But whatever it is, yeah, wait, whatever, whatever the yeah. false uh, teaching and all, they, they built a whole industry around this false god. Oh, absolutely. And so now, I think Paul's trying to say, don't build an industry around the gospel. Yeah. The gospel is not about that. Which now, if you fast forward to us, I mean, there's there's well, complete industries, okay, of so videos and books and TV and movie. I mean, we have this huge industry of Christianity that that basically uh, can exist without love. And you're getting to a point that I I didn't get into a whole lot of this with 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 this, but at this point. I couldn't help but think about some of the stuff we're dealing with right now, right? Mm-hmm. Because when you make something an industry, when you make something a business, then what happens is is you're all about protecting the business. You're all about protecting the industry or the organization. And so in in terms of Christian ministry, when that happens, when you're when you're all about protecting the the organization or the the business, then you find yourself suddenly, you know, winking at sin, covering up sin, all because it's in your better, it's in your self-interest, right? It's in the interest of your bank account. Mm -hmm. It's in the interest of keeping, um, you know, uh, people in seats, um, you know, because at the end of the day, that's your paycheck, right? And so, so you're going to do whatever you can to protect that. And and unfortunately, I really think, guys, that some of the stuff we're seeing in the SBC convention, or the Southern Baptist convention right now, about all the cover-ups that have come out in regards to the sexual abuse um, claims and things and think that, that, that's in the news right now, I think that a lot of that is motivated because people were more interested in protecting, protecting industry and themselves and their salaries and their bank accounts 
more than they were about serving God and more than they were about serving Jesus. It was detrimental whenever the church, and I don't know necessarily when it happened, but whenever the church started to adopt like that we're a business motto, yeah, um, maybe some some of y'all who have been in ministry a lot longer can say to that, or I don't know, but it um, um, yeah, those uh, that's a real bad consequence of that, and um, even just like. I mean, just about the mission, too. I mean, the motivation for the mission ain't right. And then when that's not right, you can get distracted with a lot of other things that can dwindle down or or spiral into something like what's recently come out, and it's devastating. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I was just going to say, I was under the impression that business models started right after the Civil War. So... They, these guys aren't even old enough to know when that started. <laughs> <laughs> well, because it's, it's the it's the committee model and and the Civil War model. Uh, all that kind of started right after the Civil War. So, I think it I think it probably blossomed even more though. Probably after World after after, the, after like World War Two. Yeah, after World War Two is when the the whole well uh, that was Industrial Revolution and stuff. Yeah, the whole the, the concept kind of, that that you're a profession and so you should. So if a lawyer wears a suit, a doctor wears a suit, you know, the principal wears a suit, you should wear a suit. So that's where a lot of that. Yeah. Um, and and so then the whole point is, uh, so a lot of models, it was set up on a business model then that you're the CEO and you're this administrator as opposed to you're basically administration of ministry which is using that biblical term is not administration like in business which the bottom line is your key thing so that that crosses into the church probably probably jump started right after the ww2 and let's be honest i mean uh not i mean i, I i've heard it in just about every church i've ever been in um since i've been a minister but people have this notion that they measure church I, you know, because I guess at, at the end of the day, we are they are paying salaries and such. I, I get that. I understand that. But then they have this idea that church is, is a business and, and they'll use business like tactics. Well, but, yeah, business yeah, tactics, but also just language. business language. Just the language. To to measure what, you know, measure how well we're doing. And, right. uh, you know. You know, if it, yeah, we had a profit this quarter, like we're nonprofit, we're <laughs> nonprofit, yeah, or or you know, and, and I know they mean well, but you know, saying things like if this were a business, it would you know, we we would have already fired you know fi- fired these guys. So, so right? if you think about it, these guys were they were they were Paul starts off in the synagogue. Some people believe, some people didn't. He did he, he did as much as he could to, to win over the Jewish people. Mm-hmm. And then he moves out and he's with these people every single day. And it's those people then that were used to be worshippers of Artemis and have their whole lifestyle. Yep. They take their books, they burn them, and all that other stuff. And so now they're they're okay. Now how are we going to make a living and all? And so I think uh, Paul's trying to help them see that it's not the same thing. That's not what motivates us. You know what motivates us is love. Yes, and um, and so if we're not careful, then we adopt. You know they got they they were they were falling back to what they knew, mm-hmm. basically. Okay, here's how we made a living before, and so these traveling preachers and all come in, and they were going to take care of them, set them up, and you know, 
Uh, so they had to be discerning, like, okay, what does this per- person teacher teaching? And say, so, oh, they're, they're liars and all. Right. So let's just get rid of all of them. So, so you can get uh, cynical and all that, and then you're not doing it out of love anymore. Right. So now I'm protecting doctrine or I'm protecting the institution, but I'm not, and I'm protecting the work, but I'm, I've forgotten what who's behind the whole. Thing. Right. Or even or even when you're setting your budget, right? I mean, the 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 idea. Yeah, we need to we need to be wise about the way we need to be good stewards with our monies. We need to be good stewards with our resources. But at the end of the day, you know, like you said, we're we're a nonprofit, right? I mean, we should be, you know, our 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 resources and stuff should be pointed at trying to get the gospel out. That's that's what that's what it should be about. That's what should drive our our, our budgets. And I'm not talking about here at Rosa Sherry necessarily when I'm saying some of these things. I'm I'm talking about like. In, in churches in general. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you sit down with people, other pastors from other churches and stuff, you hear the same sort of things. This isn't something that's, you know, um, unique to just one or two churches. This is something that's across the board. And I think it's just, it comes from, I, I'm not saying that you can't operate with that model. You can operate with that model. But if you're going to operate with that model, you also need to be reminded of what motivates you to do yes. these things. Mm-hmm. That needs to be the yeah. Background. We need to be good stewards. We don't need to be wasteful and things sure, like that. Sure, sure. But at the same time, we can't not do what we're supposed to do out of fear or out of faithlessness. Right. We're supposed to just say, okay, here's what here's what we think we need to do to try to reach people for Christ, and then go about doing it. So then it doesn't have to be this way, obviously. It doesn't have to be the case that we forget and we uh, do things in self-interest. And in fact, God offers, uh, or Jesus offers the Ephesian church three correctives, basically, um, in in order, like three imperatives, that if you do these three things, it's going to kind of correct your path, right? It's going to correct the abandonment issue you have. And the first of these is remember then how far you have fallen. Hmm. Remember then how far you have fallen. And this is where I got to, okay, well, how do we remember? Mm-hmm. Um, how do we access things which we've forgotten? And, man, our, if you study memory, it's really cool. Like, a lot of people think that when we, for starters, we don't move everything from short-term memory to long-term memory. And our brains are kind of selective about how they do that. But the things that we do choose to move into our long-term memories um, are uh, are there, and it's like they're 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 represented by um, uh, I'm trying to remember. It's called engrams. It's a collection of neurons, right? And in these collection of neurons is all your in this particular collection over here is this particular memory, and so it's it's always there. Most people don't think it actually decays. Uh, like some people think that you actually just lose those memories. What what they think instead is that what happens is is that you lose the ability to access them. It's like it would be like us, like if I if we had a safe, right, and we knew we had some really good valuables in there, but we've forgotten the code. You know, we just we know it's there, but we don't have any way. Like the of guy accessing. that had all the Bitcoin money. Yeah, like the Bitcoin guy, right? <laughs> forgot his code. Right, forgot uh, his code, forgot his pen. Right there, yeah. And 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 you can only do. You, he only had like so many guesses at it. He forgot his pen, and and had million what millions in in crypto. And they have people all over the world trying to figure out what his code could be, and because they were afraid to, ha- to do it, and figuring out how to hack <laughs> into it, because. 
because it would be locked forever. I don't know if that. What if, I don't. I, I, don't know how, I remember how that result. It, it was all over like, the news yeah. at the time. Get but yes, exactly like yeah. that. Our memories are like that. In that, um, and and, the, and you know this. The the more, the more. So what causes us to lose that access? Well, the more distance we get away from something, mm-hmm. um, both in time and in sort of space. Um, the, 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 the harder it is to get access to it. So the less you retrieve, or the, the words that psychologists will use is the less you retrieve and rehearse that information. Mm. The less you retrieve and rehearse the information, um, the, the less your brain thinks it needs access to it. So it just kind of forgets the code, right? Another thing that I thought was really cool, and this is the first thing I brought out, I think, is that um, researchers have shown that that if if you uh, they did this really cool experiment where they put some people underwater like scuba divers right underwater and put some people on land and uh, gave them the same amount of information to try to remember okay and then they took them out of that environment and uh, what they discovered was is sometime after I don't remember how, how far long after but when they put the people, um, back into the environment, like if they put them on the, if they put the underwater people on land, they had trouble remembering. But when they put them back underwater again, mm-hmm. they could remember. And it's because what our brains do is when we make memories, it, it's not just the the memory the, the experience, but it's everything around you at the time. Um, your brain logs all of that, and so if you return back to the place where you were when that memory was formed, you're more likely to remember. So that's why, you know, I, I mentioned this in the sermon, if you ever go visit your old high school, you all suddenly remember all these things that you've forgotten, right? You go back to some of your old stomping grounds, all of a sudden you have all these memories that start flooding back in. It's because you've returned back to the circumstances that those memories were formed in. And so, but it doesn't just work that way with just physical return. It's also that way with emotional return. Mm-hmm. If you find yourself in the same emotional state as you were, or, or, or maybe perhaps spiritual state as you were, then it's easier to remember. If you return, you can remember. And I think that's what Paul is doing in Ephesians when he's saying, look, you're dead in your trespasses. And he even says, remember that one time you were Gentiles in the flesh, you weren't even a people. And at that time you were without Christ and excluded from citizenship. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were far away have been brought near. And so there's this idea, guys, I think, that one way that we can remember and keep the memory fresh and keep our motivation fresh is to perhaps on the daily return back to where we were. Yeah, and I've, you know, I've always looked at this Ephesians passage as kind of the same way as we look at the love passage because then if I'm like if I'm uh, if I'm being angry or if I'm keeping a record of wrongs if I'm doing the things that aren't displaying love then I, I can do a self-diagnosis to use your word say hey you know I'm not really living in love mm-hmm. same way here if I'm getting caught up in busyness and just doing stuff and like man what's going on you know and I'm like well what's going on what what happened and I realize, hey, I'm, I, my motivation's changed. I need to get, I need to get back to love. I need to get back to that first love. I need to, and I love the way you talked about how to remember when you got saved. And I think God's a genius because He creates, 
he creates a way for us to remember. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you use baptism. So every time you see somebody get baptized, in your mind, you can you can remember your baptism. Yep. Every time you take communion, you know, you remember what Christ did for you on the church. Or you remember when you were like a kid and everybody was getting the cups and you were sitting there going, I can't get it. Right. And, and then all of a sudden now, once you become a Christian, you can get it. Or you sit around afterwards and they give you all the little things. That, you know, those things yeah. bring up memories. And um, But see, God provided those two things as a picture to rehearse, just like he did with the Passover meal. Yep. To, to help the people remember, remember, remember. And you think about it, this has been going on for 2,000 years. Yes. So it's so important because if you didn't, then you wouldn't remember. Yep. Um, or you would be too far away from because our, our natural tendency is to be about the work because we get our identity like, our identity is not who you are, but what do I do for a living? Mm-hmm. And especially in our culture. Right. And um, and so if we don't if we don't have those means of remembering and like even with marriages and all uh blake hadn't experienced this yet but you know when you went to the weddings as a single person you're like checking your clock you're ready to get out of there but after you got married you're kind of like you're remembering when you said your vows you're remembering what your wife looked like when she walked down the aisle so it's like this this whole this thing is, is to help us to remember yep. our first love and so i think uh it's important for us to Use this in our own, and I, I've always used this passage because I'm like, I need to remember my first love. I need to get back to doing the first things. I need to get back to doing what's important and forget yeah. about all this other stuff that I've been occupying my time with right now. You know, I, I mentioned returning, and as I was thinking, it, I, I had to repent somewhat uh, when I was going through this message, and you know, and ask God, you know, and just say, look, I need to be reminded every day of where I was mm-hmm. when you rescued me. Because the tendency, guys, is to think I'm okay now, and I've always been okay. Mm-hmm. And I'm self-sufficient. And so um, we, we act as though we're self-sufficient all the time. I, you know, But if I go back and I remember my salvation, if I'm reminded of where I was, if I return back to that state, not to literally go back to a sinful state but in my mind i go back to what i was rescued from Mm -hmm. um suddenly it's it's clear to me that i'm not as self-sufficient as i thought i was it can be so easy to like forget your need for christ and like yeah and like when we're preaching the gospel to people we're preaching you need christ you're a sinner you need to not be separated from god but even post becoming a Christian, it's hard to remember that need. Yeah. Something because you do feel like, I'm good. And in a sense, positionally you are, but still you need to come back, confess sins, repent, and uh and continue to restore that relationship with God daily. Yeah. And you know, it'd be be good with him. Yeah, I, you know, Jeremiah, I know you, you with I, I've been with you when you when you emphasize this to students all the time but you emphasize a, a, a lot of times we need to remember um, how serious sin is right and I think I think part of that again is going back and because we, we we just get to the point where where it's like ah it's no big deal it's nothing and we forget that that no this is this was going to prevent me from eternal life this was going to prevent me from having a relationship with God 
yes, I have one now, but at one point I didn't. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so it's easy. I think it is easy to, if I, if I don't return back to that state, if I don't daily remind myself of that, it's easy for me to just sort of blow over sin like it's no big deal. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, y'all are hitting all over it. Like mm-hmm. the the church. I mean, Jeff, what you just said about like weddings and baptism and the Lord's Supper. All of those things are meant to remind us of all that Christ has done. Um, I'm actually gonna I'm gonna uh, do a thought experiment for you guys. But do you think? Do you think that that may be why? All right, let me ask it this way. When y'all think of the cross mm-hmm. and everything Jesus did for you, do you have mental images? Sometimes. Where do they come from? My imagination and I guess movies and books and yeah, things I've read. Yeah, probably. I mean, things I've read. Yeah, and I mean, like. Just, and then using it's your a own mixture. It's, it's a mixture of. It's a mixture, yeah. Of like so many emotions that you felt over over time, right? right and yeah. you don't want to you don't want to be tied to one, but like a lot of you know the passion of the Christ. I think I see it right mm-hmm. when I think of Jesus. I try not to put a face on Jesus, but like the dra- dramatization and like even music, you can almost hear music playing, right? Yeah, even though yeah. it's not playing, but when I talk about Jesus. You can almost hear like this grim, solemn music playing, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, but at the same time, I guess the reason I ask that is because do you think that maybe that's why some people are so attached to certain songs? Like, like maybe the songs that surrounded their moment of salvation. Um, and so like, there's this like I need to remember. I want to remember, and this song helps me remember. Yeah, no, no. I think that I think you're right. I, I think I think our nostalgia is also tied to. We could say we could write it off and just say, well, that's just nostalgia, right? But no, I think you're right. And then you might be onto something there. That that this song was playing when I came to the altar, right? Or like just as I am, you know, Billy Graham played it uh, every every one of his crusades. Right. Just as I am, and. Growing up in church, the invitation to him was just as I am. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I remember. So, so for a lot of people, you know, that is if they heard that song, then it's going to bring back a lot of memories. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. a song like that for me. It's the stand, and y'all know right. I like the song. But I remember it's it surrounds. It doesn't surround my salvation, although it, sort of. Uh, it surrounds when I surrendered to ministry, mm. and it was like the first, not maybe maybe not the first time in my life, but. One of the times in my life when I, I felt full surrender, mm-hmm. and you get to that bridge, it's like, I stand with arms high and heart up. Because I grew up in a church where you don't do that. Right, right. right. You, you, don't, you don't full surrender, especially yeah, in right. worship and raise hands and that type of stuff. And so I still have like a nostalgic feeling. Also, uh, to not be so spiritual, uh, y'all know that song, uh, I'm leaving on a jet plane? Yeah yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Every time I hear it, I get like stupid emotional, <laughs> and I don't know why. 
I kind of wish I kind of wish I knew why, but they use um, it in Armageddon. I think it has it, to be tied to a movie. It, it is. They, it use it, they, use the movie, they use it. They use it. They use it. They use it in the movie Armageddon. I don't know if you I were watched born. Armageddon. I don't even know what y'all talking about here. <laughs> <laughs> it plays at the garden. You're gonna hear it at the oh. garden. It plays at the garden center all the time, and I have some emotional attachment to that song, and I can't remember what it is. I, they do use it. It's yeah. prominent in, in, in Armageddon. Maybe it was the first time he went out of, out of town or something. Maybe. It, it can't be a breakup because the first time I heard it was, you know, I was too young. That's, that's that. why I like Forrest Gump because the music brings me to the emotions because I grew up. Yeah. I was younger than Forrest Gump. Now, my brothers were the same age during that time period. Yeah. Right. But I remember and I re- and you know it brings back well, flood, floods of things. So music's important. I mean Paul one of the passages you said that yep. you know we have songs and hymns and spiritual songs and make a melody in our heart that that really helps us uh, they serve as memorials. Yeah. And the good thing about uh, church music um, there's church music where you're singing about the church and doctrine and stuff like that and then there's church music where you're singing actually to God and to the mm-hmm. Lord. And I think that was where one of the big shifts came that people that weren't comfortable singing I love you to Jesus but could sing about the love of Jesus. Yeah. yeah. All of a sudden it, it creates a tension. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so um, I think so I could sing about the love of Jesus all day long and it won't affect me. Right. But if I sing I love you Lord then if I really truly mean that it's going to affect yeah, yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, so I no, think, no, uh, no. I agree. I think that has a lot to do with it, too, that people just aren't comfortable uh, opening up to each other, mm-hmm. much less opening up to God in a, right. in a, in a way. Because if, you, if, we, if we think about it, I mean, really, the Baptist church, we were all about knowledge and preaching God's word, and the Bible was front and center, and, you know, it's like, thus saith the Lord. And so... You know, it wasn't about emotion, and it wasn't about all that. It's about reason and logic, and yeah. you know, propositions and all this other stuff. And so we kind of took away a lot of the, you know, the, the feeling out of it mm-hmm. because there is feeling. Now you can't trust your feelings, 100%, right? Yeah. But you can't be a, a true human being living for Christ if you don't have a feeling and emotion. Right. It's yeah. both. You got to have both. It's yeah, got to yeah. be a good balance. Yeah, there has to be a balance, and I think that's the key to it. So, yeah, I kind of brought all that up just to show, like, is there some practical things we can do that, like, in everyday life that will help us remind, just like what what you said, I could smell the cafeteria sometimes from my high school. And not that you want to put, like, (laughs) you don't want to create essentials so that I can't remember unless I have. Right. Because I think a lot of churches, a lot of good Church people, they say things like, "Well, I can't worship unless I have. I can't right." right? And and our thing is, look, no, you can't worship unless you have Jesus. Like right. that's the that's the only essential for our worship is is the worship of Jesus. And so remembering Him. But I think there are some things we could do that when you forget. Uh, and for me, w- one of the best things you could do is read Scripture. Yeah. Even if you're not feeling it, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. but it reminds you pretty quick yeah. Of, yeah. Yeah. of your status, uh, how much you needed Christ, yeah. uh, how much others needed Christ, and that should you should reflect on that and say, look, I need them just as much. And so I, think, I, I know I preach it and talk about it so much, but reading your Bible is 
stupid important. Like it yeah. just is. Yeah. And and I say that as an encouragement because there was a point in my life when I started reading the Bible and I hated it. Um, I did it out of duty, obligation. Um, and then at, at some point, I began to love it and cherish it. Like there's a, there's a change of heart that happens. And I encourage you, please just just read it. Even if it's like the like I'm on a diet right now. And the first three weeks of that diet were awful like it was just terrible mm-hmm. but i know i needed to do it because i knew it was good for me right now it's like it's just a part of who i am right right, right now i can tell you my diet is just who i am mm-hmm. uh, it won't be like that forever on my diet but but i think with scripture i'm hoping that it will be like that forever like it's just a part of who i am i right. know i need it for remembrance yeah so. yeah is there any other besides just Putting your old CD in and, and listen or cassette for some of you. Well, I think even just taking a moment like we did at the end of a service mm-hmm. where, um, you know, because you don't do it all that frequently, but going back and just in your mind, going back to where you were. Yeah. Not just, not just how I tried to, I was really careful when I was writing all that out because I didn't want to use emotional language. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, where you were, what brought you there, what you asked of him, um, and and why you asked him. Those kind of questions, right? Yeah. Not necessarily how you felt. Sure, how you felt is part of it, mm-hmm. but really kind of going in and trying to, you know, who was there. What brought you to that point. What brought you to that Trust point. Trust in Christ. Yeah. Right. Those kinds of things. Or if... Even even beyond your salvation, think about you know for us the call to ministry, um, the um, those times where you know of personal revival. Um, I think I think going and and meditating on and re, you know purposely remembering, purposely retrieving and rehearsing those memories is is more important than i think we place i don't think we do i i know i certainly don't do it as much as i should and doing this like kind of like what jeremiah was saying doing the spiritual disciplines he said reading the bible for me um you know it obviously like staying in the scripture praying and uh you know allowing myself to you know have like good music in my you know listening to christian music mm-hmm. worshiping um so a lot of times those help me go back to the moments of when i need that um and i, I think it's something like the goodness of god you right. know about all of you know about two years ago was a rough point in my life and that song just really resonated with me yeah through that time and um it, it was kind of cool that we're talking about because i saw um, the son of the guy who led me to the lord not too long ago at a walmart back uh-huh. back home and you know it's helped me reflect on that a little bit yeah. just kind of recently here some and yeah. so i've enjoyed that but with with that like it's it if you do those disciplines you will be remembered yeah or you, were, you, you yeah. will remember where you came from because the lord will you know well, right. well and if you think right. about your first love too i mean you know, when you're in love, you tell everybody. Right. You know, you, you're you writing the person's name down. You do things like that. You think about, that's all you can think about and all. So I think when you think about in the sense of Jesus being your first love, then 
you think about him, start meditating on him, and then all of a sudden, then you're going to start telling people about it. Right. I think that's where the whole uh, evangelistic thrust that a lot of people use in this passage comes from, that, that, that now... It's not so much about all this knowledge and all this other stuff. I've got to tell people about what Christ did for me, and he can right. do the same thing for you. And yeah. A lot of times when we do become Christians, man, we'll tell everybody. You know, mm-hmm. we'll tell past. Yeah, at the we'll, very beginning, then it kind of dies out or yeah. dies off. It doesn't matter if they're lost or saved. You'll yeah. just tell people because yeah. you're so excited. And Well, you guys are getting on to this, what, what I, what really the second half of, of the correctives that, that I, you know, I spent a good deal of time on remember. But if, if, if all you ever do is just remember, it's not enough. Mm, part part one, one of the one of the issues we have in our country right now, even you know people are bringing it up, is that yeah we've got memorials for you know these school shootings and stuff. If we don't change policies, if we don't do something based on those memories, then it's not enough. I mean, you can set up monuments and memorials all day long, but if it doesn't spur you on to do something, then it's not enough. Um, and so. I think that's what Jesus is getting here. He says, remember from, how, from where you've fallen, but then repent mm-hmm. and do. And, um, you know, I, I spent some time, a little bit of time on that, that word repent. I didn't realize that, um, that uh, it's, it comes from meta and noose, mm-hmm. which means turn and, and mind. So it's, it's, an in, it's an act of the intellect. We often hear repent and think of it as an act of sorrow or emotion, but it's actually more an act of the intellect. It's, a, it's an intellectual decision it's that I'm going to turn my changing your mind. It's changing your mindset. Right. Um, and, and, and then once you've changed your mindset, that then leads to behavioral change. Which comes to the do, do the works you did at first. And Jeremiah, I know you said you wanted to speak on that a little bit from from earlier when we were talking about the the works. But uh, have you forget, you're looking at me like I don't remember what I was going to say, Jonathan. <laughs> I said that. I said we would. Oh, okay. I was just <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's just because it was when we were talking about if if you're doing things without love, right? Uh, and so it's. The, yeah, but that's that's what we were, yeah. Right, so coming back to that, he's saying definitely do Do it things, with the right motivation. But do yeah. it with the right motivation, right? Yeah. And then um, just skipping ahead because you're kind of running out of time, and I do want to talk about this last part, um, the consequence. Because clearly yeah. this was serious, right? Because he says, remember then how far you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. Otherwise, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. That's pretty. I mean, that's it's eye opening. Yeah, I mean that's that's, that, that's kind of that, that's attention grabbing, is it yeah. not? Yeah. And and I, I, of course, I made a point to say I think we need to be careful here. Is that uh, I, he's not saying he's going to extinguish their lamp. Um, but I had um, I read. Uh, I read a number of I, I read a number of uh, opinions and ideas on this verse. Um, I knew I had what you know my thoughts on it, but I wanted to read other people's thoughts on it as well. And um, it's kind of cool. I mean, the the lampstand is is the is the thing that holds the light, right? And we know that the light that that this church had was was Jesus Christ, the Spirit, right? And their, their lampstand is there to give light, to show light. And somebody made the, the illustration between this and the, the, the temple. 
and how the temple would have been full of lampstands there in the front part of the mm-hmm. of the temple that would shed light on the on the on the showbread, the, the table of mm-hmm. presents, right? And so the whole point is to you put these these light these lamps these lights in and that's burning this oil um, to shed light upon the bread of the presence, which is Jesus, right? So the whole point is is that your 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 lampstand is in the position that it's in to show to shed light on Jesus, and um, and so his the consequence of him saying, "I will remove your lampstand from its place," is saying. You know, you're no longer going to. Your role will change if you're not, and it makes and, and it makes sense, right? If you're not doing this for the right reasons, if you're not doing this for to because of the love you have for 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 Jesus and the love that and that that's not what's motivating you, then you're not shining a light on Him anyway, right? right? You're not doing what you what you were supposed to be doing, yeah. and this is why I tied this same passage to. Um, to uh, uh, Jesus' words um, about being a city on a hill, mm-hmm. because um, he says, "You are, you know, you're, uh, a city on a hill cannot be hidden. Um, a city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lamp stand, and it gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven." And so I, I think that that ties in well with what Jesus is saying here to the church at Ephesus um, in this in this letter. Like, if you don't repent, if you don't change the way you're thinking, if you don't come back to where you were before and do the works you were doing before, the way that you were doing them before. Because again, all the residents of Asia, both Jews and Greeks, heard the word of the Lord through Ephesus. That's that's pretty big. They had an important role, but he's saying, look. Your role is going to be diminished, and you're not going to enjoy the blessings that you are enjoying as a participant in that role. And, man, I hear that, and then I think about the church today. Yeah. And I don't want our church, guys, Rosa Sharon, to have our lampstand removed um, from its place um, because we forget or because we've abandoned our first love. Um, and I don't want any church's lampstand to be removed from its place because they've forgotten. And yet, once again, bring it up with the kind of stuff that we're hearing about in our convention right now and how many churches are being affected by that. How many churches have forgotten their first, abandoned their first love, doing things because of you know, protecting salaries, protecting positions, protecting power, and now you read the comment section of, uh, the news, the, the news that broke on that, that when when ABC 11 here locally covered it and and put the put the article up on uh, on Facebook, I, I went to the comments section and and read through some of the comments and and was just heartbroken over it because people were saying, see see this is why you can't believe there's a God, see this is why this is why you know. Every, you know, this, this all religions are guilty of all this, and and, and none of them are good. And and it's like, man, it's hard enough to be a Christian to to share the truth and the love of Christianity with a culture that runs counter to us. And now you just made we've just made it that much harder on ourselves because well, because because some of the because some of the churches forgot their first love. And I mean, if you're you know 
a non-believer, you know, if you're on the outside looking in and you see stuff like that, I mean, there's no difference than in that and what you might see somewhere elsewhere, you know. It's like, well, why would I go be a part of that when yep. everything else is just like that? You yeah. Know? So it's a... I'm a better person than they are. Uh, right. What I do mean, I, you know, apparently I don't need Jesus. I mean, that would be the mindset, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. Sad, man. It is sad. Um, and I know, Jeff, you're going to be talking a little bit more about that subject, I think, this coming Sunday, right? Yeah, we're going to kind of look at uh, Isaiah chapter 6 and concentrate mainly on his uh, compassion. I'm a, I'm a man of unclean lips, surrounded by people of unclean lips. lips. So that, that to us, that's what our response is, to repent and confess. Right. And then uh, right after that, then he gets the commission to go and tell. So yeah. that's kind of what I'm going to look at like okay let's be honest about what's happened now let's get refocused on what we're supposed to be doing right right i think that's good well guys it's been a good discussion thanks for um one other thing i'll say uh i didn't say this in the message and i'll I'll close with this so there's seven letters written to seven churches Mm -hmm. and um out of the seven churches that are in revelation six of them are still standing today only one is not, and it's Ephesus. Mm. Mm. Ephesus is the one that's not. That city's gone, and the church is gone. You can go to the ruins of it, but they, uh, I was reading that all the other churches survived, but Ephesus didn't. Wow. I meant to mention that in the message and forgot to. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? Well, I just looking at verse one and verse uh, the. I mean, we just talked about the lampstand. Verse five, it's like I wonder if God removed their lampstand because because it's clear that that's tied to their existence, yeah. right? Because even from verse one, who walks among you with seven golden lampstands? It's clearly he's talking about the seven churches, churches. Uh-huh. that have seven golden lampstands. Right. Yeah. And then he's like, if 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 you do this, this is a, like a promise, right? So, right. I was just thinking about that, but I'm not saying that's what happened, but it could be that they abandoned their first love and never never returned, I, I or mean, eventually down the line. I mean, probably yeah. not in the first century, but yeah. But yeah. I found I found that interesting. I actually meant to mention the message and I forgot to. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll close on that thought. So. Um, Thanks for joining us for this edition of The Main Point. Uh, We appreciate you for tuning in and listening, sharing this with other people. If you have any questions about anything you've heard today and you want to comment on that, we invite you to do so. Uh, You can do that by emailing us at rosbcpastors, plural, P-A-S-T-O-R-S, at gmail.com. All right, until the next one, have a great week, and we'll talk to you then. So long.